0: Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Big Sky Breakdown. Uh, Short and sweet with the uh, intro, just because we got a lot of stuff to get to. This uh, Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Coming to you late on a Tuesday night. University of Montana played their first men's home basketball game in like a month. And their last one for like a month. Only non-conference home game of December. Came on December 6th against South Dakota State. The Grizz... A thorough, complete, and impressive effort. They won 81-56 against a team that won 30 games last year. Uh, SDSU certainly not as good as they were a year ago, but they are a good team. Uh, They'll probably be one of the favorites in the the Summit League. Well, Montana was great. They moved the ball really effectively. Uh, They had 15 assists on 30 made buckets, including 12 assists on their first 20 uh, in the first half. They hit seven out of their first 14 three-point attempts, shot 56% from the floor. More than anything, though, is their spacing, their offensive flow, their continuity. They fit together well, and uh, I think that really stood out for the Grizz. Brandon Whitney led the way, uh, 23 points on 10 of 12 shooting. He also dished out three assists. Anon Moody, a return to the lineup. He's been out last couple games. His uh, His wife had their second child, so <laughs> that's a... That's how it's going this day and age in college basketball, just with how old some of these guys are. Moody, a transfer from Southern Utah, and uh, definitely back in the fold was a good thing for the Grizz. He had 20 points. So uh, in this pod, a couple different things to touch on. We will hear from Travis DeKear, the Montana head men's basketball coach. We'll also hear from Brandon Whitney, junior point guard for the Grizzlies. And we'll hear from Eric Henderson, the fourth-year head coach from South Dakota State, caught up with him. Uh, An interesting point, uh, an interesting discussion, I should say, with points about college basketball scheduling. Uh, Our Grizz basketball coverage this winter is presented by John Velk and Velk Law. If you uh, go to Grizz games, you might recognize Velk. He sits courtside, got to know him well. He's also an excellent lawyer, University of Montana alum, and a... uh, your main go-to guy for personal injuries. So if you uh, get in an accident, not your fault, any sort of car wreck, you need help with any sort of uh, claim or insurance or anything like that, John's your guy at Velk Law. Proud to bring you Grizz basketball all season long. So a fun addition here with Velk. He's been sitting courtside at Grizz games for about 40 years. He never misses one. Gotten to know him well over these last several years because our seats are right next to each other. So uh, we talk Grizz hoops so much, so I wanted to give him a little bit of, a, I don't know, a, a place to have a discussion because he has seen as much Grizz basketball as anybody. So we will discuss some of the best players in Grizz basketball history uh, through the eyes of a guy that's been sitting courtside since the 80s, a guy that went to school in Montana and has been around Grizz hoops forever. Uh, so we talked about all the guys that have played for the Grizz, his top 12. There's 12 weeks in the basketball season, so his top 12 – And uh, this countdown will go all the way up until the Big Sky Tournament uh, in Boise. And so we get this thing kicked off with Velk's best non-four-year players. So all the guys that were great Grizz, men's hoopers that aren't four-year players. Uh, That's how we get this thing started off. A fun discussion to kick this off. Uh, A little longer one because we do talk about uh, probably 10 guys. And sort of a setup for what the series is going to be about and then these snippets from Velk will be, oh, I don't know, 10 minutes probably. Just talking Grizz Hoops, currently Grizz Hoops history. Uh, history is important. We love to archive it here. That's at SportsMT.com. Let's get to uh, Montana head coach Travis DeCure first. Then we'll hear about 90 seconds from Brandon Whitney, Grizz point guard. And then we'll hear from uh, Eric Henderson, head coach of South Dakota State. Then the debut of our uh, greatest Grizz of all time, according to a man that sat courtside for more than 40 years, I uh, will do all that here on the Big CI Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Thanks for listening. Uh, you guys had good pace all night. It seemed like Brandon Whitney's penetration helped offensively as well. I'm just talk about that a little bit of your
1: Well, when you get side to side, you open up. You open up the floor. And uh, we, we've got good enough shooting where they've got to respect that, especially when your, your post players can shoot. And uh, we, we've been holding on the ball a little bit too long in, in, in our past games. And so we really spend a lot of time just pace. And when the floor opens up, Brandon Whitney's going to be hard to contain. How much
0: does that help having forwards and, and post guys that can shoot it?
1: It's, it's incredible versatility, especially since they both can score around the basket, too. Um, and, and when you've got multiple guys that can score at multiple levels, uh, you're, you're hard to guard if you run a good offense.
0: I know last time out against uh, Southern Miss, you said you, you thought that you made strides. And you, I think that you talked on Riley's deal about you know, kind of a, you know a growing moment after air force so did, did you see that sort of uh, translate here
1: tonight yeah, well, it was an opportunity to look in the mirror you know is is, is you know air force isn't a bad team they, they've got a couple good wins and, and they beat some like opponents uh, but it's a it's a game we felt we could have won when you watch it on film i don't think we played hard enough i don't think that we were smart enough in those in that game to win especially on the defensive side of the ball so we challenged the guys go look in the mirror and fix what you can fix um, and then we had two really good practices going into the southern miss game and uh, I thought it helped. We, we made a jump, but we didn't have Moody. And so we, we still weren't, you know, at, at full strength. So to come home and have three really good practices and then get your starting five on the floor and put everybody in their natural rotations, we finally got a chance to see what we're getting at. You guys
2: have had Whitney, but no Moody for some games. Moody, but no Whitney for other games. When you have both of them, what is the biggest difference you see in this we team?
1: playing their position. You know, Whitney at the point, Moody is a combo, who can handle the ball, but he's not exclusively at the point, it allows him to be aggressive, allows him to score the ball. It's just more of his natural position. Those two guys give the rest of the guys confidence to do their jobs and do what they do. So when you when you take Whitney out, everyone slid down. Bannon was handling the ball probably too much against Troy. His versatility is strong and it's a strength of his, but for him to handle the ball for 30 minutes, just, it took away from his productivity and every, same thing with everyone else. So, when you've got them together, you move everybody to their natural positions, their natural roles, they have more confidence doing the things that they've been doing their
2: whole career. You guys had the offense in the first half, but also the defense. Would you consider that the most complete half of the season? And is that kind of what you envision as the potential yeah, by, for this group?
1: by far. You know, when you can hold an opponent in the 30s, shoot in the 50s. You know, I don't know that we'll always, you know, hit eight threes in a, in a half. But um, the type of shots we were getting, a lot of that was led from our pace, but also our defense. It's when you're not taking the ball of the net and you can push the ball off of rebounds and you've got good guard play, you're going to be hard to guard. And so if we can get in transition more often, uh, we will continue to score like that.
0: I know you've talked a lot about rising to the occasion against good opponents, but you guys have risen to the occasion against that opponent a couple times here recently. So what was it about South Dakota State that kind of brings the best out of your team?
1: Respect. Respect for what they're capable of, respect for the things that they've accomplished. Um, when we went in there last time, they had the longest home win streak in the country, and um, you know we weren't necessarily saying we're coming in to break it, but we had a lot of respect for how good they were. Right? They, they had the, the, the nation's leading score. They had two players who were scoring 20 a game. They were an explosive offense, and, and we had a good defensive team, so it was it was a good challenge for us. And that was the best we had played all year up to that point. Um, and and then we knew they were going to come in. No, I don't want to necessarily say revenge, but it was an opportunity for them to, to kind of steal that victory back. And they've been playing really good basketball. And so our guys had a good level of respect for them, and they gave them the best effort.
0: I think Deshaun Thomas is, is settling in a little bit. Uh, I, I, he's been getting his shot, but he just seemed like he was more comfortable tonight.
1: Yeah, you know, this is the most that's been asked of him Yeah. Um, in terms of both sides of the ball the ball handling, the, the defense his assignments and things like that and when you go into a new goal it takes a few games to settle in i think he is starting to settle in in terms of how hard you have to play on both sides of the ball and also you know when to call for a sub and and then come back and do it again and i think today was the first time he had a chance to really just manage it
3: you've
0: been on the road so much now you're back out on the road for like three more weeks so well how do you hope you can try to take this on the road
1: uh you know it one you want to be fresh so we'll give him day off tomorrow and then two days of prep but uh, the, the biggest thing is just play at the same level of desperation. We have not won a game on the road yet, and it'd be nice to do that before we go into conference. So um, we'll, we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll stay on our, on our P's and Q's and try to maintain the level of intensity going into the game.
0: That's Montana head coach Travis DeCure following his team's win over South Dakota State. Uh, here's Brandon Whitney, 23 points for the uh, Grizz junior point guard. Uh, he looks back and healthy, and that's a good thing for the Grizz. First of all, I know that uh, coming out of the Southern Miss game, Coach Travis said he saw some things, even though you guys lost, that he had uh, sort of optimism in. How do you think you translated that tonight?
2: Um, I think we translated it very well. You know, after the Southern Miss game, we had a very hard, and intense three practices. So I think it started with that, and we just came out ready to go and with a chip on our shoulder.
0: You guys moved the ball so well tonight. What, what went into that part of it? How important is that for your offense?
2: Um, I think that's very important. That's what we've been needing to get to uh, this whole season. And we finally did it in the game and it showed a scoreboard, so.
0: You're so good at getting the rim, but it seems like when you do, it opens things up. I mean, how does it sort of open the flow of the offense?
2: Um, I think my ability to get into the paint is just everybody is so worried about me uh, getting into the paint. So it just creates um, open players for me to pass to. so.
0: Seems like the shooting improved on this year's team, too. I mean, Moody and, and Thomas are both big additions. How much can they help you stretch the floor?
2: Um, a lot. I think DT is a big part of stretching the floor because, you know, last year we didn't really have a big that could really shoot from the outside. So I think that's a huge part of our offense.
0: You guys have played so well against South Dakota State the last couple times out. Why is that?
2: Um, I think we know that, we know that they're a good team. They're a good mid-major team. So... We just come out ready to go, and we know we have to throw the first punch. Otherwise, they're going to capitalize if we don't.
0: Uh, How do you sort of carry this now into into Saturday? Because, I mean, these are kind of big games because these are kind of like opponents, right? I mean, that's kind of like a big sky team, right?
2: Yeah. Um, I think we just need to uh, continue to have this chip on our shoulder and don't settle after we get a win. Just continue on what we were doing and have uh, great practices before we enter the next game.
0: And here's a little bit with Eric Henderson, the uh, Jackrabbits of South Dakota State, on a crazy trip they played at alabama i think four days ago then they played at kent state two days ago and now to missoula before they go back to brookings so certainly a tough stretch and to montana's had their number the last couple times that these two teams have played so uh interesting uh just what college basketball is right now i mean south dakota state's been on the road for for nine games already i mean montana state has only played one home game like this was the first time I've seen the Grizz in person because they've been on the road so much. That's just the state of affairs in mean, mid-major college basketball. Here's a conversation about that with Eric Henderson, South Dakota State. First of all, that's big Montana's best offensive output. What, what did they do well offensively against you guys?
4: Well, they got us spaced out a little bit, and they got us. They got got us got it going downhill early. And then, uh, you know, when you're scoring at the basket, you're scoring, uh, you know, making threes, they kind of had the whole gamut going and just really shared the basketball. You know, I thought it was the best they played all year.
0: For sure, I mean, you can see that, I mean, I think 12 assists on the first 20 buckets of the game, how much of it is when their point guard gets in the paint?
4: He's pretty good, you know, obviously he doesn't shoot it great, but uh, he knows his game more than most. And and, uh, so you have to kind of pick your poison, you know, do you want to guard him and let him eat up that space and get to the paint? Or do you want to go just guard him, you know, but he's quick, too. So, you know, it, you know as, as, it's funny because when you think about him, I have a lot of respect for his game, not only because I couldn't shoot either and you can find <laughs> different ways to impact it, but, like, that dude has a great knowledge of who he is and for how sure. he can help his team win. For sure.
0: This stretch for your team, I mean, pretty challenging. I was looking at the map. I mean, that's pretty crazy travel last yeah, five days.
4: We're pretty wore out. I mean, I'm not making excuses. You know, we, they, they play better than us tonight and have more energy right. than us tonight. Um, but we had nine of our first ten games on the road, and we have went across country twice. And I, I told our guys, you know, we, we need to have more fight as a team and they they need to have more fight individually. But I also have a little bit to do with what happened there. You know, I got to make sure I'm putting our team in a good position to be successful. And and we like to challenge ourselves. So it's a fine line, but uh, it's been tough.
0: I, mean, I talk about that on my radio show a lot with with Coach Takir, with Coach Sprinkle. I mean, mid-major basketball programs where you have a good home court. I mean, it's really hard to schedule this day and age, right?
4: Oh, it's one of the hardest parts of our <laughs> job. You know, it's right. it it is ridiculous, and and you know everybody will look at our record, and it's being it, it's not what we're used to, and right. and obviously we have expectations to win, but. Uh, um, we also went through a gauntlet, and um, you know I think when I looked, depending on what you're looking at, this morning we had the fourth, you know, hardest schedule, you know, so far in college basketball. And this place is 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 not an easy place to play. Totally. <laughs> you know, they're 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 really really tough here, and just really connected, and they fed off the crowd. Do you, I mean, will you hope to continue games like this? Th- this is the stuff I love here. Totally, you, you know, right? I love to play you know, programs that that have the similar expectations to us, right. you know, and obviously I feel bad tonight that we weren't able to make it competitive, but uh, we, we'll be all right, you know, we're gonna continue to fight and then we're excited as the season goes on.
0: Well, what's next for your team then? I mean, uh, how do you hope you're sort of uh, able to bounce back from this?
4: Well, we had at home, that certainly helps, you know, we got three, our next three games are at home and, and um, so to be able to play in front of our fans and hopefully get some rest and just to get off our feet a little bit, but, but we also have to to make sure we're keeping our kids competitive Um, because we've got off, you know, the the most disappointing part of, of this year for me is not the wins and losses. It's, you know, there's been three times, three of our 10 games, and we've played a hard schedule, but three of those 10 games, we really haven't really competed at the level we've needed to compete at. And we don't have the enthusiasm that we need to have. And, and that's on me as a coach. I, I have to make sure that our team is prepared and has the confidence and has the swagger that they're going to compete.
0: Uh, without further ado, here's the debut of a podcast segment. We'll have weekly throughout the rest of the basketball uh, season chronicling a countdown. So the best Grizz basketball players ever is presented by John Velk and Velk Law. Uh, Velk Law go-to for personal injury, uh, give John and his team a call. Uh, here you go, a fun conversation. Well, it's like in the movies where they, uh, they take the, the thing out and they say, take two. This is our second try at this. Uh, my fine self, I deleted the first try, but that's okay. We've been teasing this a little bit here on the Big Sky Breakdown, and now we're actually into it, and we're recording this, On a day where Montana actually has a good college basketball game at home. The Grizz play tonight as we we record this on a Tuesday uh, against South Dakota State. And uh, this is a new installment here. We're going to do 12 weeks worth of a countdown with one of our new supporters here at Skyline Sports, John Velk. He runs Velk Law here in uh, Missoula. And uh, the reason we're doing 12 weeks, or 12, uh, countdown of 12, excuse me, is because 12 weeks in the basketball season. So
3: Velk has been sitting courtside for what, 40 years? Yeah, 40 years. A lot of those as a student, though. You sure. had to get there three hours early. Yeah. It's easier to get the seat now, just not financially.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Uh, back in the day with the zoo, I mean, that's one of the things that's probably changed the most about Dahlberg Arena, right?
3: Oh, yeah. You know, three-fourths of the, the uh, lower level were students when I was going, and it was packed. Just like you might see now, Gonzaga has it with the kids jumping and screaming. We were there. You didn't have phones. So, you, right. you couldn't bring food and you had to make sure you didn't drink a lot of soda because if you got up to go to the bathroom, your seat was gone when you came back. So, you're sitting there for four hours to watch an hour game. Well, it's, uh, it's so interesting,
0: too, because right now, I mean, I'd say since probably the mid, early to mid 1990s, Montana's been thought of as a football school. But Montana was a basketball school in the 70s and 80s and early 90s, right?
3: Forever. Yeah, it was a basketball town. I was homecoming royalty back in 85. <laughs> they didn't have qualifications for looks back then or height. <laughs> um, but I remember I went to the president's box at, uh, at Dornblazer Field and there was nobody in it. There was a paper plate with a couple sticks of celery and, and a couple sticks of carrots on it with ranch and nobody was there that
0: was homecoming. Just amazing. Well, uh, Velk's been sitting courtside at Grizz basketball games for 40 plus years, and so he's got great perspective. And so this countdown will be John Velk's top 12 players in Grizz history. We'll go from 12 through 1. We'll roll these out all the way until the Big Sky tournament uh, in March. Uh, But today we're going to get started with sort of the uh, intro to the countdown. And uh, Velk decided that he's going to do all four-year players on his top 12. So therefore, we're going to start with all the best of the best that weren't four-year players at Montana.
3: Yeah, and and just to clarify, I'm just talking about the players that I saw. So we're not going to have a Michael Ray Richardson or Derek Pope because they were just a little before my time here. So it's just the guys that I've seen. So I don't want somebody thinking, oh, of course, it's going to Michael Ray Richardson. It's not because I didn't get to watch him play, sadly. Um, But the first four uh, or the first uh, what I call Grizz all-time non-four-year Players that I've got is Martin Broening.
0: Loved Broening. Uh, Broening was. I was so interested to see how Broening's career played out because it's so funny. This seems like such ancient history now when guys would transfer and they had to sit out. Now you can just transfer. And you go all over the place. I mean, uh, yeah, total tangent. But I was looking at the NCAA transfer portal this morning. There's like fifty thousand football players in there. Like, everybody in the country wants to leave. It's crazy because now you can just go and you don't have to sit out. But when Broiding first transferred from the University of Washington, and I think that's the other interesting fold, is the Grizz have actually had this happen a lot of different times in their history. They have a big-time transfer, and then that guy, he gets hyped up for a year because he's just sitting on the bench, and everybody's wondering, okay, what's this guy going to be like? You look at Broiding, I mean, he's beautiful. He's about 6'10", long arms. But then in the, between the year he had to sit out and the year he became eligible, Travis Takir took over. And Browning came to play for Wayne Tinkle, who was a great big man coach and obviously a great big man himself for the Grizz. And uh, so I was just so interested to see how Browning would play for Coach Takir as a former point guard. But uh, Browning was great. And he was actually everything the Grizzlies needed. I mean, he led them to the conference championship game that, uh, that very first season.
3: Yeah, know he was great, and I think the reason it worked with Travis is even though he's not known as a big man coach, he played for coaches that required sure. feeding the big man, and that's why he was an assist guy, uh, because he fed big guys down low. He knew how to feed people, and, well, and good shooters on the wing.
0: It's so true, right? and Coach DeKir, I mean, he played for Stu Morrill and Blaine Taylor, and those guys, I mean, the the famed Stu Morrill high-low, I mean, it's one of the great big man offenses, and Coach DeKir was so good at running it, and it is so interesting, too, because you see the way that the Grizz have evolved now. Uh, they have become so much more guard-heavy, and they haven't had a great big man in quite some time. And probably the best true big man they've had l- lately is a guy you're going to talk about here pretty soon. But other than that, I mean, they haven't had that traditional big man. Broiding was one of the last ones that was just so good.
3: Yeah, I agree with you completely. The second guy on my list is Anthony Johnson. I I hate to sum up his whole time here with just that one game sure. in, in the Big Sky Championship, but unbelievable. Never seen anything like it before, never seen anything like it since.
0: I mean, it's truly probably one of the landmark moments just in terms of national exposure for Grizz basketball in the modern era. I mean, you think probably when they beat Nevada in the first round of the NCAA tournament in 2006, and then that moment, because, I mean, that that was on ESPN. I mean, that led Sports Center. He won an ESPY for it. I mean, he was getting national... Uh, acclaim when he scored I think 31 straight points against Weber State to lead Montana all the way back uh, to a win and to the Big Sky title Uh, I told this story last time we recorded this I'll try to tell it again Uh, a couple of my buddies growing up here in Missoula they both went and played over at Columbia Basin Junior College and that's when Anthony Johnson was at Yakima Valley Junior College and I remember going out there and watching them And watching Anthony Johnson just hang 40, (laughs) thinking, damn, dude, this guy's pretty good. Well, sure enough, yeah, he was pretty good. He came into Montana. He's a two-year starter, multiple-time all-conference guy. Uh, He's arguably probably the best junior college guy that they've ever gotten. He was just so smooth. And it's just unfortunate what happened with his eye and the way that sort of cost him a a pro career. But during his time as a Grizz, he's one of the smoothest scorers they've ever
3: had. Yeah, he was – well, frankly, he showed it – he was unstoppable. And that Weaver team was way, way up on us. For sure. And – pretty soon they've got three guys on him and he's still scoring he's still making everything he's shooting 80 percent from the field and he's got three guys on him I'm like "Mm, that's pretty smooth (laughs)
0: that was sort of the beginning of Randy Ray's struggles with Montana too I mean coach Ray's been had been there at Weber for a handful of years and uh, that was the sort of the beginning of the narrative that never really ended that Randy Ray could never beat Montana I mean they Weaver was so good, so many years in a row, and uh, they seemed like every time they played him in the conference tournament, go home crying.
3: It was a beautiful thing because <laughs> because when I when I was in college, it didn't always turn out that way. So okay. it was good to see a a warm turn and turn in our favor in that one. Okay, who else you got? <laughs> well, I've got Ahmad Rory, who moved in here from Oregon, and you know about Ahmad, I think he was always under control. He yeah. never he never really showed all of his athleticism and then you'd see flashes of it. I remember when we played Georgia state and they had that all American guard and Rory came down through the middle, beat him off the dribble and rose up and pounded it in traffic. And even that all American came by the sideline by me with his hands around his neck. He's like, I did not see that coming.
0: Unbelievable. You became uh, Instagram or Twitter friends with that guy too, right?
3: Yeah. We ended up being pretty good friends. he, About the third possession down, he was casually loping it up the sideline, which you're not supposed to do as a guard because you can get trapped the minute you come across half court. And Ahmad jumped him, and he kind of panicked, and he dribbled it off his foot. And he's about four feet from me, and I go, nice handles, (laughs) All-American. And he turned and smiled. He goes, that's pretty funny.
0: (laughs) We could do a a top 12 countdown of Velk's best uh, jitings and and, uh, best smack talkings of opponents, too. I mean, So for those that don't know, the way the media seating is – uh, down at Dahlberg Arena, I sit right next to John, so that's how we became buddies. Because uh, we watched dozens of Grizz basketball games together over the last couple of years since I moved back to Missoula. So always been fun. But Rory was so—you're uh, y- right. Sometimes he would he would show his great flashes of athleticism, but more than anything, it was his physical conditioning. I mean, he was he was so physically conditioned, and he was so easy. I think to coach just from a playing time aspect because he never had to worry about him getting tired. You just take about. The under four media timeout in the first half and maybe give him a under 16 blow in the second half and boom he's ready to go he's giving you 36 minutes easy
3: yeah he was he was just absolutely a specimen when it came to that they certainly miss him and and uh
0: well i mean how could you not he was a multiple time first team all big sky guy and a guy that everybody in the league had a lot of respect for all right who else you got yeah
3: well i got delvon anderson I love uh,
0: the Junkyard Dog. He's a guy that I've missed. We moved to Missoula in 93 when I was a kid. So I just missed Delvon Anderson. But uh, I've always heard the legends of him and guys that I respect big time like Stu Morrill, Blaine Taylor, Travis Secure. They all had a a hand in in Delvon's development and they all speak so highly of him.
3: Yeah, no, he was a great guy. had a great personality. Always really, you know, happy and, and upbeat playing. Got all of his teammates into it. And he basically could do just about anything. He, he'd he work down low, had great footwork, and all of a sudden he'd dunk. He'd get a uh, put-back dunk uh, off a rebound that was way above the rim. And you're like, wow, didn't see that coming. And then he had great little moves along the baseline, you know, 10, 15-foot shot. You could almost count on it every time. He just did everything that was needed, lots of rebounding, lots of defense.
0: Yeah, I, I think that he's he would probably be a top contender if not the leader uh, and maybe the definitive answer for the most underrated Grizz of all time. For whatever reason, he kind of gets glossed over. I don't really know why. I mean, he was the Big Sky MVP uh, on that 91 team that that uh, you know was competitive against Florida State in the, in the tournament. And so um, definitely one that uh, anybody that was around him or around the Grizz at that time, they had uh, a ton of respect for him. Who else you got?
3: I got Matt Williams, and and Matt uh, really shined at the Sentinel Gym, as I recall, during <laughs> during our beautiful remodel of the of the stadium or of the uh, field house.
0: It's so funny too, because you know I was a little kid in the '90s, and uh, I never. It's so funny, like the things that stick with you when you're a kid. But I I, I remember going uh, to Blaine Taylor's cage camp and being like, man, I'm uh, this is cool, I'm hooked. I want to go to Grizz games. So then we'd go buy the the general mission seats up there when they used to have the the sort of gold copper looking bleachers and then like three bucks and you go up there and sit up there. Uh, and then I remember when they moved to Sentinel and it was, you know, when you're from a, from a broad perspective, it's not an ideal fit playing at a high school gym as a division one team. But when you're a little kid, you're way closer now and you're like, well, this is crazy. This is cool. And the guys look so much bigger on the smaller court. And uh, I remember Matt Williams definitively from that season, but he was, he was, a, he was such a soft-spoken guy that he didn't really become that big of a star, but he was, Such a smooth player.
3: Smooth. Every night. Every night you'd look at the stat sheet after you watched him and you thought, well, he was okay. He didn't do that much. And all of a sudden it's like, well, he had 15 points. He had 11 rebounds. He had four assists. You're like, oh, that's a great game. But – You didn't really notice it because a lot of it was just smooth down low moves, put backs after a missed shot, things like that. So he was really the glue that held those teams together, especially during a tough time. It had to be heck to recruit. once like, come on in. You can play in this high school gym next year. We hope to get back into our stadium. It's going to be really good. It was such a uh,
0: weird uh, time. You're right. In Grizz history, because, you know, not only did you have the remodel of Dahlberg Arena, their planet Sentinel, but also um, Blaine Taylor. Had moved on, had gone and joined Mike Montgomery's staff down at Stanford. Blaine, you know, is one of the most beloved Grizz of all time, for sure. He you was know, a guy that's from Missoula, played at Hellgate, played for the Grizz, was the assistant coach forever, and then became the head coach. And uh, Don Holst did a good job considering the circumstances, but it was just such a strange time in, in Grizz basketball history. And that uh, Holst was sort of part of the coaching tree from Jed Heathcote, but it he was a little bit of a, he was the first one that was a little bit outside of what had been, you know, Brandenburg to Montgomery to Stu Morrill to Blaine Taylor
3: yeah exactly and and it was right after that that we moved back in to to Dahlberg the newly refinished one and I just believe there was a little too much emphasis on trying to recoup those construction costs right away and we alienated a lot of long-term fans and said no you don't get your seats that you've been in for 20-30 years and there weren't many for the sponsors. There was only one half of the down level low. And as soon as they weren't in there, then seemed like the football started to take off. We went in Addy in ninety five and all of a sudden the kids aren't coming. So the whole lower level is decimated and I don't feel like we've ever really gotten back since then.
0: Yeah, it is interesting because I, I do think that college basketball from a student experience perspective can be can be the most fun that you can do. I mean, you know, and we used to love going down there and uh, getting crazy when we were going to school at the University of Montana. All right, who else you got?
3: Well, next I got Jamara Coe. He was just with us for a little while, but obviously you could see how talented he was. He was unbelievable and a physical specimen. He was a beast. He was kind of like a guy that I watched when I first came to college, Larry McBride, that used to uh, play with Christoiak. He was there and he was going to enforce it and, and you weren't going to come into the lane without getting tomahawked and he was going to pick up every rebound that was within about half a body length.
0: <laughs> yeah, Cole was a, a beast for sure. Came in as a transfer and uh, got put on the block right away and, and I think he didn't want to play on the block when he first transferred to Montana, but he thrived at playing on the block for sure. Such a good complementary player to that Grizz backcourt especially Ma Rory. They, they worked really well in tandem. Unfortunately, the way that Akos' career ended, too, because he got hurt, and then he couldn't really get right, and then it just kind of all went away, and, and uh, it's a bummer. But he's a guy that stuck around Missoula. You can tell he really loves it here. I know he's been doing a bunch of marketing for local places in town, and uh, it's always good to see him because he's just a great guy.
3: I know he's a he's a great addition to the community. I just saw him here before one of our games. A little bit he was sitting right behind me, and we yacked it up, and he's been at a couple of football games. It's just good to see him around.
0: I always see him riding his bike down by my house. I'm always like, man, where the hell did you get a bike that fits you? I mean, because he's about 6'8", 260.
3: (laughs) There's not a lot of bikes for guys like that. Well, the good thing is, is with that thinner tire, with his weight and stuff, he can get right down to the base concrete. So he's not slipping and sliding. He just pushes right through the ice. That's exactly right. A couple more here
0: on our uh, beginning of what's going to be a fun countdown here during the Grizz basketball season. All right, what else you got?
3: We got Kendall Manuel. And Kendall, you know, Wayne was lucky or good enough to give him back to us. Uh, He was a billing star and went out to play Oregon State and wasn't getting as much time and was probably not going to get as much time the next year. And he came back and he just... He's the kind of guy that I don't think we've had now, again. Somebody that was just liquid, that could guarantee an outside shot for you, basically. If you you gave him a foot of space, it was going down.
0: Yeah, he... uh, You know, I always think that... I mean, you and I both, Montana guys, we talk Montana high school hoops a lot too. And I think so many of the Montana kids now, like they're still great basketball players. And I think a lot of times they go, they, they want to know where they're going to go. And so they commit early and they go to the Frontier Conference. And the Frontier is really, really good in men's hoops because of that. They get a bunch of the, I mean, you know, the Braden Cook kid from Capitol this last year playing at Carroll. I mean, that's a great gift for them, man. He's a really good player. Yeah. But I always thought that if more people knew the story of Kendall Manuel, maybe they would take that. Kendall didn't commit at all, and he decided to play club ball his spring of his senior year. So after high school hoops is o- over, went to a Vegas tournament with a club team, tore it up, and then all of a sudden he's getting offers from Pac-12s, and boom, he gets a chance at Oregon State. And even though it didn't work out at Oregon State, that led him to Montana as well. And, you know, he's wonder if guys just waited a little bit, if they'd get an elevated opportunity. But also, though, he definitely did it himself too, because, I mean, for as good as he was in high school – He got even better in college, and I think that's where I mean the shooting comes from. He I used to always be able to interview Kendall because he would be there for forty five minutes before practice. So you knew if you just rebounded four and boom, you get an interview because uh, he always was doing his shooting workouts.
3: Well, you know that's how you get better. You you gotta you gotta go outside of just the regular practices and regular scrimmages and everything else. You gotta go work on your individual skills yourself if you want to do it. You know you watch that with uh, Curry and the NBA. You know He'll tell you he'll go down and shoot still now, long after you've been MVP. You're still going down an hour ahead of time, putting up 100 shots before the regular pregame scrimmage. That's how you get better for sure. But we do have a local guy here that just went off the other day, that Raleigh Worcester oh, yeah, in Utah. Yeah, yeah. Holy cow.
0: Yeah, efforting, efforting Raleigh. He's going to be on my ESPN radio show sometime here in the next uh, week or so. So I uh, will probably splice that one into the Big Sky Breakdown podcast here as well. And uh, if not, you can always find it on the Nuanas Now podcast uh, channel as well. Uh, This is the Big Seat Breakdown coming to you from Velk Law. John Velk giving us uh, the beginning of what's going to be a a fun countdown. I see you got one left. What's the last guy here uh, for the non-four-year guys from the Grizz?
3: The non-four-year guys, the last one I got is Walter Wright. Love Walter. Yeah, Wiz Wright. You know, he he ended up playing a a little pro ball for a while, but uh, then I, I think he had a child and some other things come up that brought him back home, but that's another guy that could get his own shot and it's amazing because he was not big he just he knew how to score he knew how to go inside he could get it up among the trees and do a little teardrop inside over a over a 610 guy jumping as high as he could pretty amazing and that helped us get through some of those scoring droughts we always seem to have a few scoring droughts and we need that guy that's that's what I'm I'm hoping that we're going to get this year out of a couple of our players
0: yeah he was uh, probably the best creator of any of the guys we've talked about so far and it was a little bit of an unfortunate situation to log jam that happened because they brought in a Mod Rory who sat out a year when Wright was running the show and Wright was really good at running the show and then when Rory came off that redshirt year then those two kind of had to play both on the ball and you know they're both the type of guy where if one's got the ball the other doesn't have the ball and that means if he doesn't have the ball that's not as good as what would happen if he had the ball. So, you know, it, it was just one basketball, and it, it was just kind of just a bad fit for those two guys. But Walter Wright was a, a great player for Montana.
3: Yeah, I mean, and I see a lot of that from my uh, co-rec. Yeah. There's only one ball, and I'm bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, you heard it here first.
0: He's the Walter Wright of the co-rec. Uh, the, the only one, other guys that I thought of that were the non-four-year guys that maybe I'd throw on the list were uh, a couple guys from the Pat Kennedy era. And the Pat Kennedy era was such a strange era in Grizz basketball. Uh, Wade Hogan, decided the the old athletic director at Montana, decided to hire Kennedy. And that was the first time that there had been anybody from outside the Judd Heathcote tree that had been hired. Kennedy had a hell of a resume coming from Florida State and DePaul. And uh, he came in, though, and uh, he recruited the junior college ranks heavily and uh, they just had a hard time finding uh, cohesiveness in their teams, but they had really good players. And the two guys that I thought stuck out, that were two of the best junior college guys Montana's ever had, were David Bell and Kamar Davis. And uh, Bell was a great shooter, great great slasher. And Davis was just a, a bulldog. I mean, he didn't have very many skills. He just had huge biceps, and he would just <laughs> slap it right off the glass.
3: Oh yeah, Davis was a beast. You know, he he was a force like I don't think we've seen here very often. Absolutely, unbelievably athletic and just yoked. Yeah. And so if he wanted to get something, he was going to get it. And you were probably going to get hurt if you got in his way. So kind of a great enforcer. And Bell, you know, we had a ring your bell going. Yeah. Uh, because he, he'd he make a three with somebody in his face when we needed it. And everybody knew when he came off the bench to get in, all he was going to do was crank a three. And didn't matter whether you knew or not, he was going to get it off. If you gave him an ounce of daylight, that thing was off and he was making a lot.
0: That was my brother's favorite player growing up uh, when he was a little kid. And uh, I used to always tell him, well, David Bell's awesome, but also I don't think you're going to be able to play like David Bell because if you go play like that,
3: <laughs> no coach is going to like it because David Bell was green light all day. Yeah. Well, he, he ran down the court uh, even on defense with his arm cocked, and as soon, as soon as the ball hit it, it's going up like a catapult, baby. That's
0: exactly right. He was a fun player to watch, though. We'll have more of these. We're gonna, well, Here's the plan here. We're going to do this once a week. Uh, Velka and I will record as uh, we descend the countdown 12 through 1 and we'll splice them in there with a bunch of Grizz basketball coverage and we'll have full coverage of Grizz basketball plus uh, Big Sky Conference hoops now all the way through the Big Sky Tournament in Boise. So uh, keep it tuned, SkylineSportsMT.com, Big Sky Breakdown. It's fun, man. Thanks for being here.
3: Yeah, you bet. And uh, I'll leave you with a parting note. My best free legal advice is don't get in a car wreck. (laughs) And right now those roads are bad out there. Yeah.
0: But if you do need legal advice, if you have been in a car wreck, you have some sort of accident that wasn't your fault, uh, make sure you get a hold of John here at Velk Law. How can people reach
3: you? Uh, just give me a call. Same number for 32 years, 406-543-0909. Easy, five four three zero nine zero nine. Any and
0: all personal injury you might have, give John Velk a call here at Velk Law. Thanks for being here, buddy.
3: Thanks, buddy.